0: With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession.
1: Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Every now and then we have one of those jobs where I just think, this is a weird job, this is a weird thing I do
0: yeah it's fantastic yeah but we have a
1: I, weird job i
0: we found ourselves this week in the middle of a press launch and you think hmm, this is my life
1: this, <laughs> this is, is, is what we do this is what i do for a living all right if you saw our instagram we were at the uh we're in arizona Mm-hmm. very quickly. We have actually have friends in Arizona that we didn't have time to see anybody. It was a bummer, but we're on
0: the schedule for the press totally. launch and, and everything's pretty highly structured, mm-hmm. which is fine, but we really needed to stick to that. And so it's Six a quick trip
1: waves of journalists. Yeah. For the international I, – I can't, I can't overstate this. This is the international launch for the BMW X5M and X6M, which meant because – this is fascinating. Because those cars are built here in the U.S., mm-hmm. they decided to bring the journalists to the cars. So all Easy of the heavy do. hitters from Germany were in Arizona. Yeah. They've been there almost the entire month of March yeah. and just cycled yeah. journalists through from around – the globe and our favorite story, at least my favorite story, was Australian journalists were plugged <laughs> oh, into this program. Yeah. Oh man. Which yeah. means they traveled like thirty hours to be in Phoenix for about thirty hours to get back on a plane for thirty hours. Mm. Mm. That's, That's rough. really hardcore. Your
0: body doesn't even have time to acclimate or get ready for jet lag because you're just back home before
1: you know what hits you. You and I flew an hour, we're like, woohoo! And then we heard about the Australians and went, oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But those cars were really cool. We've got a fast blast of that coming up pronto. Mm-hmm. Happy Friday, yes. by the way. That Fast Blast will probably hit before there's another fast another podcast, before next Tuesday. <laughs> it's going to hit before another Fast
0: Blast. No, no, no. It, Wait, it will hit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but if you haven't watched it yet, we actually just dropped a video yesterday that is our actual side-by-side compare of our two crazy sedans. So that's playing well. There is this X5M piece coming before the next podcast and lots more YouTube stuff coming after that. This weekend, actually tomorrow, in fact, because this is Friday, tomorrow, in fact, is uh, continuing stuff on Motor Trend. Yeah, We have the yeah. blue car episode from last season, which is the current BMW 3 Series, speaking of BMW, the Genesis G70, which we're talking about a lot, and the Alfa Romeo Julia, uh, but not the Quadrifoglio. It's the one that goes with those other guys. They all happen to be blue, Correct. so we called it blue cars.
0: Correct. Yes. So it was fun to be with the BMW engineers. We actually spent some time, multiple meals with the person who does the steering? He mm-hmm. is the engineer and does all the the testing and engineering for the steering yeah, systems cool. on both these cars. A lot of M cars, as a matter of fact. And yeah. it was really cool to dive in and understand more about the M division. And mm-hmm. as a little separate company within a company, they're located just to the north of Munich. They're about 800 people, just a little family, just kind of all by themselves, even though the cars... Well, the X3 and the X5 are built in Spartanburg, South Carolina, that huge factory, and the output of that is astonishing to us. So, yes, that's coming out. We're really excited to share. We did some fast driving, but BMW was exceedingly accommodating. They even had some road closures with cops closing the roads Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. us, which was great. And uh, we got some great footage out of that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to sharing. Yes, uh, Motor Trend continues, as you said, and we'll let you know when everything finally hits on Amazon Prime. That should be shortly,
1: we're hoping. In, in the next it's week, just we still should have pending. the rest of the still season pending. available, plus the uh, buy season option on Amazon. Right now, there's three episodes of the seven that will be there. The rest have been submitted and are grinding their way through their approval process. We also have all seven currently available on Vimeo. If you watch internationally, they are all available on Vimeo. Also, if you're one of our patrons, you've got free access to those, which is something I love that we can give you guys because of the support yeah. you give us. That's yeah. very cool. so much stuff coming. I, I, we actually have, this is a little behind the scenes thing. Those of us that work on the show regularly Mm. are having a kind of rally the troops day in about a week and a half where we're all just sitting down. It's practically like a whiteboard day. I'm not like a Jason Finsky whiteboard guy, but I might do it that day. I've got a whiteboard. If you want, one. we're going to sit down and and really battle plan the massive amount of post production going on here because we've got content waiting in the wings and I'm so excited to share.
0: We're long-time users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and
1: bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. In fact, many of Griot's first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. And they're a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care style directly from Griot's. We've used Griot's
0: Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and their website and starter kits that will help your car look its best.
1: Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made right here in the USA. They offer a 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try.
0: When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. All right, jumping to the debates. Guys, thank you, as always, for writing your great stories. We've got Kelly in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, he and his whole family are Jeep people. If you've ever met Mm -hmm. Jeep people... He is Jeep G-person, yep. his whole family. We've also got Brad L. in Atlanta looking at all the SUVs. He's got two daughters whom he follows around the country for cheerleading mm-hmm. and looking for an SUV primarily yep. for his wife. And uh, so we're in up to our eyeballs in SUVs. And, and uh, yes, as you we know, are. that's yes, we are. really what's popular in selling. So we're going to break that down for you as well. Let's jump in here to Kelly's debate. Yep. Kelly is... Works on autonomous Class Eight semi trucks. Isn't that interesting? In Arizona, this is, yeah,
1: this is his job. We, now, hang on, I have to stop here for a second because we were just in Phoenix, Tucson, etc. Mm-hmm. Phoenix, Tucson, Scottsdale, that whole area. We were in that area. Yep, and we were struck by the fact that, well, of course, autonomous cars exist here. It's the future. There's no weather. Every day is the same as yesterday. It's just the temperature fluctuation. This and the hot temperature glowing f-
0: ball pops up into the sky, <laughs> provides light and heat, the- and then it disappears at the end of the day. Exactly. A- every day, and the it only does th- that.
1: And the only thing that changes is how hot did it get today? How <laughs> hot, how close is the flaming ball of the, the sun? The ball's back up in the sky, providing light and heat, and then it goes away, and that's it. We asked our our driver, our airport <laughs> driver, at one point. I just I asked casually. I said, "What's the What's the hottest you've seen?" And he said. Uh, 119, but, 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 but it still gets, it still gets nice and cool at night. And I was like, what does that mean? 90? (laughs) Yeah, it's like 80, 90, 75,
0: 80, 90. It's a little hot there, but it's perfect wow. autonomous
1: car weather. We came back to here where everything's covered in four feet of snow and thought, not as good. Exactly. Not as good. The uh, the lines on the road are always visible, which is what autonomous
0: cars like. So yes, they it, do. is, it does seem to be the perfect place. That Chandler, Arizona area just yeah. seems to be the perfect <laughs> place for autonomous anything. All right. So Kelly is working on those. But meanwhile, he and his whole family are Jeep people. Yeah. He has recently changed jobs to this new company working mm-hmm, on autonomous mm-hmm. semi trucks he his commute went from 15 to 20 minutes and 15 miles to up to an hour 45 to 60 minutes and 35 miles Mm -hmm. so he's been using two routes for this commute depending on wind Wait, wait 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 wait, Keep this in mind
1: depending on wind yeah you
0: need to keep this in mind (laughs) (laughs) when we tell you 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 heard about jeeps right okay Uh so he currently uses a 95 four-cylinder five-speed soft top no air conditioning Hmm. Mm hmm lives in tucson no air conditioning 119 Jeep Kelly <laughs> Wrangler YJ as the daily. All right. And he says it works fine, worked fine on the previous commute, but the trip to work now involves 15 miles of city driving and 20 on the freeway. Yeah. Yeah. And this freeway portion is slightly uphill. So if there's a ever so slight breeze from the east, his little Jeep with big tires cannot hold even 60 miles an hour without shifting out of overdrive.
1: He's He's downshifting. You're you're a brick. You're he's he's downshifting to attempt to stay at freeway speeds. And <laughs> having just been in that area, everyone's doing eighty. Every at, at least, if you're not you're doing either, eighty, you're, you're going to get mowed down. You're either stopped because it's actual traffic because uh-huh. it's a big city, yeah. or you're doing eighty, at which least, is L.A., which is L.A. Exactly. At least. So so you doing, You struggling at 60, Kelly, especially now less than 60 because you're going uphill. I see the terror in your eyes. I can tell for sure. <laughs> well, he says this isn't going away because this is the rock crawler. Yeah. Commuting yeah.
0: in a rock crawler. That's, that's what he's doing. <laughs> I do love it. That's hardcore. Yeah. He says it might end up with a bigger engine at some point, but ultimately he wants another daily but that's really not what the debate is about right now, because he said it's compounded by their desire for a new family car. Mm-hmm. He's been a Jeep guy for quite some time. I think her whole life actually seems like it. Yeah. He's owned a modified 85 CJ seven, a 91 XJ that was very modified. The current 95 YJ and his wife drives a 99 XJ that is mm-hmm. also
1: modified. <laughs> Noting a trend, <laughs> whole lot of Jeeps going on here with Kelly.
0: He says he really likes the 99. He's, been rock-solid, dependable, bought it with 135,000 miles in 2007, and it's now pushing 250,000 miles. Yes. Dependable, original engine, still going strong. It got converted to four-wheel drive while he was attending school in Utah, and he says, it's been in Canada, San Diego, Houston, back to Tucson. It's towed cars. He says, much of me wants to put a new engine in it, put a new paint job, keep racking up the miles, but... He's got this fear it'll leave his wife stranded at some point, and yeah. so therefore this is the debate.
1: Yeah, he thinks, okay, my wife and my daughter—they need something that I really know they can rely on. Mm-hmm. It's not a, there, there's no love lost because they love that XJ, but <laughs> let's let's get something a bit more modern, which is the great discussion. So we actually end up with two discussions here yeah. because we do have yeah. the dedicated family car with room for wife, daughter, dogs, luggage. Let's go on a road trip. And while, while the right. XJ has been right. good, it's going to go away and we're going to have that. We're going to have that option. It's not for, like you
0: won't still have Jeeps left over.
1: Clearly. I mean, <laughs> like the yard is full of Jeeps, plenty of Jeeps, yes. Jeeps left over. Yes. And you are live in Arizona. So plenty of fun to be had. So, so they want to replace that pretty soon, like almost right away with a, about twenty five k is the budget, but you also heard about Kelly's commute. Clearly, every day we don't help Kelly get a car, he's a roadblock on his freeway. <laughs> so we have to solve right. that too. That is about twenty grand, and he'd like to solve both. We're actually doing it like a big garage swap tonight.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. So his wife wants a Super Crosstrek. They've not driven one, but they've found one. They've sat in one and found the legroom impressive. Now, Kelly is about the same height as you and I, 6'3", 6'4". I think he might even be a little bit taller than you and I. Very, you know, string bean and He says he's he's definitely tall. He
1: doesn't have my problem. He's not a torso problem. He has the the spider legs, so uh, we got to solve that. Yeah,
0: He's looking at the Mazda CX-5. He says that's an attractive option. He likes the 2011 to 2013 for the Subaru Crosstrek, but he's also looking at the Audi A3 wagon with the TDI. He's not been a one-driven one yet.
1: So I think that car's not big enough, Kelly. No, I don't think right so. Right away, either. I think it's just not big enough.
0: He's he knows that, you know, you'd suggest a Cayenne. He's sensing that a Cayenne <laughs> might be among your suggestions, <laughs> which is fine. But his past car experiences, he says, have been varied, but he's never owned a sports car. That's for the the future his debate here, too. He's driven various sports cars, but we do have to start out, first of all, with the family ride. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, Kelly, I do like what you're thinking about. The CX-5 is very high on our list. Agreed. The latest CX-5 with the turbocharged engine leaves us no more reasons to not buy it. I, it's I think so any, good.
1: any question marks are pushed right over the edge with that, with that turbo motor. I agree with that. And here's the thing. If, if you're buying used at less than 25, you've got a year or so old and you can't find a turbo mm-hmm. for your money. It's still a great, great SUV, CUV. It really, it really is. is. And it's the right size, for what you need. If you can find one with the turbo motor, I think you're going to be happier, though I don't think you'd like, dislike the other one.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure you can for 25 because then it, you know that turbo just came out practically and so they're still a little bit more expensive. But again, CX-5 across the board, mm-hmm. almost any generation, get that CX-5. They've only gotten better throughout the years, so yeah. take your money and get the finest newest example Agreed. you can get good of the CX-5. But there's also another car that you and I have been in. It's an SUV. Mm-hmm. It's the Acura RDX.
1: That's a good one.
0: I want you to get look at 2019, I believe, and newer. Okay. That really improve the front-end design. Yes, the RDX has been around for a, a while, but you'll be surprised at what you're getting for your money. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. consistently amazing. We get in, and we think, all right, there's some delight to be found. This is quite nice. Yeah, it's yeah. a great place to be in. It's, you know, a more luxurious kind of environment. Handles great with a super really handling good. all-wheel drive, which is yeah, not yeah, yeah. a gimmick, by the way. It actually does have some good feedback. Mm-hmm. And then they're 25 to 30.
1: Yeah, get a good used option. This is the thing about the Acura's is that those don't hold their value. And it's not because of lack of reliability. It's because they're the alt-alt choice in luxury sedans to begin with. Mm -hmm. You you, you specifically turned yourself and your viewing away from any of the normal options and went, I'm going to go look at Acura. They are total alt. Yeah, for sure. And as a result of that, they have even fewer people looking at them used, but they're phenomenal. They're Hondas. They're they're so reliable. And you get a lot for your money, but they just plummet in value. That RDX, I hadn't thought of that. That's a great one. I have another I one, but like that's those. a great one. Every that's time,
0: really because you know we can think of plenty of SUVs, but they hold their value generally, mm-hmm. and they're expensive new. And yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a myriad of choices, but everybody doesn't look at Acura. And we that's consistently good. Good. come away impressed with Acura.
1: That's very good. I have one other one, and I thought of this because I was trying to think of, okay, CX-5 competitors, something roughly that size, but these are Jeep folks. <laughs> okay, so I was trying to think about, all right, what, what has all of those good features that we're looking for in the newer CUV, mm-hmm. but I can go there because they're Jeep folks. You know what I thought of? What? Is the updated RAV4, the current RAV4. Oh, sure. Because sure. my main critique of it right now, because it really is very good. My main critique of it right now is I feel like it rides a little bit too much like it's trying to be an off-roader. I want oh, the, the cushier sure. ride that a Leica CX-5 has. Which is where it used
0: to exist. Exactly. They pulled that RAV4 but
1: out of that market. Kelly and his family, these are Jeep people. Hmm. That RAV4 isn't going to have that issue for them at all. It's going to run. It's got, I think, the best styling it's ever had. It's got good room. Toyota RAV4 deserves a look. It's And it's the more rugged, I think, alt choice in feel than sure. the CX-5.
0: I love all of that. I just... I'm wondering if he can find one for 25. The problem is budget. And if you can, the problem will be it's going to be a lower trim level. Because Fair the point. ones that Fair are point. Yes. fully loaded. There's nine variations of the mm-hmm. RAV4 mm-hmm. currently. Yes, The fully loaded hybrid is $44,000. Yes,
1: it is. So yes. you're
0: going to back off to a middle flavor. And I think you'll still be above 30, which is the problem.
1: Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I, I, I mean, w-
0: I love the choice. Don't get me wrong. I and let me it. say
1: this. I'm going to throw this out to you, Kelly. By the way, ponder this. If you could find a hybrid. This is the, I'm I'm doing weird math tricks here. Look out! It's like a slide hybrid of hand anything with math. or hybrid RAV four. If you could find a hybrid RAV four, okay, calculate your gas savings and oh. consider that as the offset in your budget. Hmm. How far are you going to offset? Because that thing does like forty five miles to the gallon.
0: It's excellent. And your Again, Jeep forty four thousand dollars. Your Jeep but- is
1: probably doing twenty on a good day. Yeah. So oh, if you oh. found a hybrid I Rav Four, I doubt it's
0: twenty. I'm sure it's closer to twelve or you thirteen. See, you see what I'm saying? If you yeah.
1: found a, a hybrid Rav Four, for I'm just throwing it out out here. Let's say you found one for thirty five. Mm-hmm. Okay, because mm-hmm. it's a little bit used. Found one for thirty five. Yeah, that's above your budget. You want to spend twenty five. But what's your gas savings? I'm throwing. It, I, I'm not. I'm <laughs> trust me. I'm not saying I've solved it because maybe not. But your gas savings might be significant enough that you go, oh that works cuz we've known people that that almost okay. doubled their budget when they bought a Tesla Model X because they were no longer buying gas. The only way that works is because it's him because it's Kelly
0: mm-hmm. driving a rock crawler for a commute. Well, but this That's is the, the family only car. Way this it is the works. family car though. Yes. Well, I guess he's still you not know, wanting that for the commute, but you know his wife's driving the XJ, which is not that much better because exactly. it's modified.
1: It's almost the same that's thing. That she's driving. She, she so. might get twenty miles of the gallon. Yeah, that's if the you, only if you way. Increase yourself that much, you might be in a place where you're like, I can make that work. So Todd Maybe.
0: blew out the budget, Kelly. I did. It I did. It wasn't me. I did. But the CX-5 I, is a great sweet I do spot, like, anyway. I, I do like your, your kind of alt math here going on. So, <laughs> if, you can find, so yep. if you can find one, I do like that, and uh, yeah, something to consider. We've got to touch on Kelly's future commuter car. He says this is about a year away, even less to spend. So we're down to 20000 for this, and he and I don't think it's a year me. away.
1: Um, well, I think the struggle is not. very real. for Kelly. I think he's, it's, it's
0: money. It's going to be money. And you, if you increase your payment just a little, you'll never feel it. It's a month of payment. Just have I, dinner. One I can tell less when something. I
1: read Kelly's email that he really wants to do right by his wife and daughter first. But I can also tell which is important. Absolutely. But I can also tell that he's going. I cannot commute this Jeep anymore. I've got to get out of this thing. And I have a sniper shot for Kelly. Oh, really? I think I've solved it.
0: Really, I well Kelly, I want to give you drive homework. Okay. Because of your history, that's all over the map. Mm-hmm. You said you had two tiny dots and twelve hundred coupes. You were intending to convert one to electric at one point. You had a '69 Chevelle, lowered '77 Toyota mini truck, all over the place. '89 Mazda truck and '85 Forerunner, and then he got into the Jeeps. But he's had minivans. He has a Camaro RS. So you've had all kinds of cars all mm-hmm. over the map. But you said you've never had a sports car. Yep. Yep. To us, that means front engine rear wheel drive. Well, not necessarily, but rear wheel drive at, at the minimum. Yes, right. Yes. Now you did not specify if you were going for manual or automatic, and I think you'd probably be, be open because, you know, when you start <laughs> your commute in a rock crawling yes modified lifted Jeep with we giant tires, we can dedicate tires, ourselves to just about anything. Yeah. Guessing you're probably good for yeah. whatever. So. I do want you to go drive some things, and you did suggest that I would say Cayman, and I think you should.
1: Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. to the nine eight seven yeah, yeah. Cayman
0: for twenty grand all all year long. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Go drive one of those. In the future, you said this is a year away. If it's not, you might not be able to do it. But if it truly is a year away, okay, that new Mazda Miata RF with the new engine might be down to twenty k a year away. I just don't know if he'll
1: fit. Well. We are investigating solves. We've looked into the Bracaro seats. There are tall man mods. You can gain yourself an inch and a half. I'm worried about legs. I I hear you. Yeah.
0: But the the balance, you're going to have to figure that out if you can do it or not. I thought of some other cars that were front wheel drive, but I threw those out because they're not
1: what you want, I think, in a sports car. He said he's driven a BRZ and liked it. Mm -hmm. And he's Mm -hmm. driven a Boxster once and liked it. I've
0: got... Three others, the for you. BMW 240i or M235i sure. is sort of like we've always said, sure. BMW builds a BRZ kind of thing. Yeah, so it's, it's upscale, it's more luxurious, yeah, sure. it gives that for impression. Sure. Rear-wheel drive, great for commuting, plenty of power, turbocharged. Mm-hmm. Mustang GT is on the table here. Okay. If yeah. you've, you know, your legs and you've got 20 grand, Mustang, go get yourself a Mustang. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think Corvettes might be down around your budget too. Possibly. But yeah. if you get a Corvette or if you even consider it, you're required to drive it properly. <laughs> you 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 have an obligation to not just coast along and cruise along. You need to, you know, get after it a few times I at least. It. I love it. So these are cars that are on the list as just sports cars, they're the usual suspects. I'm pushing you towards a Cayman because if you've got the thing covered already with the SUVs, you've got rock crawlers What's left but a tiny mid-engine Porsche? Mm -hmm. I don't see the problem, and there will be twenty grand. I found you one for twenty grand. Yeah, he could. He
1: really could. It's sort of
0: like you know we always joke about Miata's always the answer for everything.
1: The Cayman's close behind. (laughs) It is. (laughs) We've got to come up for the acronym for Cayman that makes it like Miata is always the answer. That would be interesting. The thing I was struck by here, Kelly, is two two sentences. You said you're really considering the '86. You like a lot about it. You've driven one. You enjoyed it. Okay? You're really considering that small, light, chuckable feel. You've never had that before. But your dream car is the Mustang GT350, and you say you can only dream. You're never Mm -hmm. going to touch one. I was struck by both of those sentences. This is my sniper shot for you. You can find them all day long. Mm. Go get yourself an EcoBoost Mustang. Okay. Okay. They'll be twenty grand for sure. It's the lighter feel mm-hmm. because of the engine of the BRZ in the Mustang package. You can afford it. Your gas mileage will be much better. It's your commute car that has actual sports car tendencies. Those are genuinely fun to drive. You get all of you get a, a taste of the Mustang you're wanting. You get the small light chuckable thing out of the '86. You put them in a blender. You get the Mustang EcoBoost. <laughs> that's what. The, that's where that car lives.
0: It's interesting because you know that kind of scenario was on Ford's mind when they decided to put that engine in the Mustang.
1: And because of who you are and you've said that's your dream car, I think you should take a serious look. I'm just – I'm sniper shotting it for Kelly. I'm You're just saying it there, Eco huh? Boost Mustang and we're done. Love it. All right, guys. Write to you
0: to us with your stories, your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, TV at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the website, top right corner under the About tab. And there's a contact button right there so you can write to us. And uh, I love the stories. I love what you're thinking. And uh, as you can hear right with your budget, your location, you know, all the pertinent information that would help us help you because that's what we're here for. We love anything that enables our automotive obsession, also known as the car disease, which is why we're such big fans of
1: Haggerty Drivers Club. For just $45 a year, that's less than $4 a month. You get not only six issues of their fantastic Haggerty magazine, but you also get roadside service with guaranteed flatbed towing. Invites to members-only events and valuable discounts on things like tires, vehicle transport, racing school, and more. It's the ultimate membership experience for people who love
0: cars. Check it out for yourself and join the Haggerty Drivers Club at com slash everyday driver. Brad L is out in Atlanta. He is looking at pretty much all the SUVs. Yep. 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 <laughs> He learned of our show recently by accident on Motor Trend. He says he fell in love with the way we present the show. Brad, thank you so much. Yeah. Really, really appreciate you following along and listening and writing to us. With your debate, he says, I'm a 52-year-old business owner, and he's got two daughters whom he follows around the country for cheerleading.
1: Okay. All right. So he's
0: shopping for an SUV that will commute comfortably and travel well from Atlanta to other cities within about a 10-hour radius. Okay, Now- this is probably the the main use for this new car.
1: Well, I think it's his use for the car because he follows them around. Otherwise, I think it's just his wife and girl's car. Right. So it, it'll be fa- it's a family road for trip for his car, wife and then it's the her her daily car. But the
0: main road trip use for this yeah. is for Yeah. Which is cool. So, he is currently looking at the BMW X5, the Volvo XC90 mm-hmm. and the GMC Acadia. Mm-hmm. There's no budget in this email, Yeah, but it's a little strange, Brad. I have to tease you just a little bit. It's sort of like saying, well, I'm looking at, you know, a brand new Corvette and a Porsche 911 and a BRZ. (laughs) What The prices don't match. They do kind of the same things, but the prices don't match.
1: I I agree. I had the same thought. In fact, I I want to clarify this real quick, Brad, and then I've got many, many thoughts here, but... Let's group this into two categories. Mm. Your BMW X5 and the Volvo XC90 are roughly competitors in price. The Acadia is a step down into a different price point.
0: And amenities and driving feel and which is which is fine so i'm not sure
1: again i don't know if you're buying we think you're buying new you haven't clarified right and this gives us a range of budget which if you're doing x5 or xc90 new you've got a good amount of budget to work with i actually split my recommendations for you into those two different price point categories oh i spoke to the upper and i spoke to the kind of middle lower because here's the thing you can you can trick out an acadia and make it seventy thousand dollars Sure. But that's well, that's like. I don't know if it, are they that much. You go Denali and you check every box, you can get so. almost there. Because that's the bottom of the Tahoes, and they climb up from there. And but that's the thing that that sixty five, seventy thousand dollar Acadia is going to be right at the bottom of the X fives and the XC nineties, the way you want them. And then they're going to go up. So I've I've got recommendations on both. Well, that just justifies my sniper shot for you, Brad. Oh, good if sniper shot. Case, look at you. I, I think I I hmm. feel pretty confident because you can't really touch an Acadia for less than forty, and you go into Denali trims and that kind of stuff where the price goes up. They're they're at least sixty. Well, that's exciting. That just
0: justified it even more. I like okay, that. Good. Good. Okay. Good. So Brad is currently leaning towards the BMW. All right. He wants our opinions, and you know we can see this. You know, predominantly stuff, luggage, yep. carting people, gear. Yep. You know all that stuff, and your wife needs it to be a great, great place to be. I'm thinking tech, comfort, power, all those things that you're looking for, and and if you're considering an X5, that means you know, you're up there as mm-hmm. far as price. You're, agreed. Agreed. I I hope you can buy new because there is a car that I want you to go get. Okay. Now you know that I love Cayennes. I've heard this story. Yes. You know that I love German cars and German SUVs and German SUVs that do things they shouldn't do, like I'm aware of this. Go yes. really fast and mm-hmm. have a lot of power. Yeah, but that's not. Really, even though this one I'm going to suggest has a lot of power, it's something that really struck me as driving smaller despite its even larger size. Okay. Because you think, all right, X5, XC90, Acadia, even though the Acadia is a seven-seater, mostly it's about a five-seater size of SUV. Yeah. The most yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am going to suggest for you, above all else, to visit your Mercedes dealer. Ooh. And go drive the new GLS 450.
1: Okay. They
0: start at $75,000. They start up there. Yeah, they're up there. It's money. No doubt. It's real money. The three liter inline six with the EQ boost that Todd and I drove at the press launch in Park City a year ago Mm -hmm. and were rather astounded by how it corners. Yeah. Let's just put it this way, Brad. We chucked it into a corner on the freeway at 90. And it was fine because it has it was the amazing. suspension. It has yeah. the entire new steering system and suspension that leans the car into a corner. Mm-hmm. And it's indeed a seven passenger. It's compact on the outside, but it does have a lot of space on the inside. And it has all the new tech that we love, the MBUX system, the seats. I mean, just surprise and delight all over the truck everywhere. Okay. Right. Like it. There's like it. gobs of space. Initially, Brad, I was thinking sedans. I was thinking, you know, could you go Panamera? Could you go Audi A seven or a stinger or something like that? But I think you'd put the Knicks on that. I I think you'd say, no, we he wants something he, bigger.
1: He wants big SUV, it's clear. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean I've I love
0: the X five, don't get me wrong. Especially the new one and we were just Bombing around Arizona in the X5M. We were there was a, there was a lot of bombing going on. It was yes, great, mm-hmm. and I do love it, but I think you're going to want just a little bit even more space because if you had it, you'd you'd use it. To be mm-hmm. honest, and again, I I thought Cayenne Coupe, and I thought no. It's eh, not quite right. The Cayenne, maybe. Okay. But then I hit on the GLS 450. I do like that. That's that good. engine has That's plenty good. of power. You stomp on that and you're moving. Mm-hmm. You are moving. Mm-hmm. All the amenities, the new tech, the way it drives and rides is not how a, a car that large Agreed. and Agreed. heavy should do. It's so surprising. So you need to take one out. Visit your Mercedes dealer and say, "All right, let's go on a road. Let's go on an extended test drive. Mm-hmm. Let's you know find some twisty stuff north of Atlanta. Yeah, and let's yeah yeah let's, yeah let's do this. So I'm I'm landing on this DLS now. Again, they're they're not cheap. So you're
1: sniper shotting there.
0: But this is what I want because your wife's rolling in that, and then it's the car that you think I just want to be here at all times. It's this a, is the place I want to sit at all times.
1: It's a great place to be. So you're, you're staying with the S. I am staying with the GLS 450. Because I wonder the price savings jumping down to the E, and is that enough space? That's a question only Brad can answer. Totally. Totally, because there is a a good price down by going down to the E Mm -hmm. because you can get almost all the tech of the S. It's just a slightly smaller package. For sure, for sure. Since he's looking at things like the size of the Acadia, the E might work. I agree, the S, the big boy is phenomenal. It's
0: just phenomenal. Get the lowest version of the highest GLS, the biggest GLS. Sure. That's the sweet spot. Sure, but I
1: do wonder about the E, but I like your sniper shot. By the way, I want to make a correction. I actually just now built an Acadia Denali and I racked it all up. fifty six grand. Okay, the highest you could So that's do? the upper. 56 grand. Okay, well then I blew up your but, budget but, even more, Brad. Nope, no, but but that's but that's the beginning of the play money for the X Five and the XC Nine. For sure, I mean you're X5 still is, you're still in a perfectly nice place. It's just know. that establishes, if you will, the ceiling of the lower level. Okay, if fair you enough. Follow what fair I'm, enough. Saying. I'm just here so, to spend your money, Brad. Yeah, no, of all. course. No, I, I really like that Mercedes. That's a really really good call. So I that's good. I'm going to talk again at the two ranges. Okay. So let me. me go upper range real quick. Look, I like the X Five. Yeah. The XC90 is honestly one of the nicest places to be on the road. I don't think of it as a car that you buy for dynamics. But if you're looking for that really nice cocoon travel pod. Which is important. And I I, don't mean that as an insult in any way, shape, or form here. Because you're buying a big SUV for road trips. You want to be comfortable. Time you want to feel like quality, yeah. The XC90 is a really nice place to be. It, they're worth a look. They're so that's sure cool. Now I that. think the X5 will be more fun to drive. I think the XC90 will be the nicer place to be. Either of those are viable. Mm-hmm. While you're up at that level, you need to look at a Porsche Cayenne. You, need, you do. If you're going to look at the I, X5, I drive the Porsche Cayenne.
0: I mean, I I I can't <laughs> I can't deny it. It's Brad, ask yourself the top three things that strike you mm-hmm. when you do the test drives of all these I think that are the great. most important. Write them down mm-hmm. and take that list with you so you've got it on your phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And every time you get on a test drive, you come back to, all right, now I remind myself, what are those top three things I'm looking for? And concentrate on those top three things while yeah. you're driving,
1: Yeah, whatever that is. And that will help you decide. Look, XC90 will give you seven seats. I think the X5, you can get a seven seat option. The Cayenne is five seats. But it's you and your two girls and your wife. So mm-hmm. five seats and room to, to haul gear. I think that does it. I think I, I suspect that the Cayenne you will find to be, in the, in the lower trims for sure, I think you will find to be more fun to drive and more reliable long-term than the X5. Mm.
0: Okay,
1: Similar in price, but drive them both. So I think that's, that's definitely another consideration in that upper level. Let me step to the lower level down where the Acadia is. There's nothing wrong with the Acadia. I actually like the revisions. I had the first gen. I like the revisions right. that it's done. We had one recently as, as a rental car. Yeah, right. Right. It's a very solid contender there, but it's not a leader. That's, That's
0: a fair. That's the statement. thing about the That's a fair it's,
1: it's solid. It's just not a leader in that category. Okay. I think you need to drive the Mazda CX9. Okay. Because the place where that f- struggles is as a full seven seater. It doesn't have a whole yeah. lot of space. But yeah. if it's somewhere you guys could get by with a five seater and the CX9 looks great gets good gas mileage and is genuinely good to drive.
0: It is. It's the Turbo 4, which you think, "All right, it might be down on power, but it's geared so it does
1: feel quite crisp." But it's it's like the driver's SUV in mm-hmm. that category. It just mm-hmm. it's it's worthwhile to drive as a driver.
0: I can see that. So the CX-9 yeah. is
1: an option, and then I have to say the big players in this segment right now. If you're going to shop this segment, and again, I just did the Denali at 56 grand. So right. We're talking roughly mid-50s and below in price for new ones. You must Drive and consider Kia Telluride, Hyundai Palisade. They're both surprising. Load them both out. Yeah. They are fifty grand, every option checked, and they are phenomenal to drive yeah. and very nice to be in.
0: I mean, that's why they're so compelling because they're, compared
1: they're, to a loaded Denali, Acadia. Yes, these they, are under fully loaded. And and that's the thing. These are the standouts in the category right now. I think. Think. Let me put it to you this way. I think something like a CX-9, slightly more fun to drive, but not as usable and as nice.
0: Mm-hmm, Something
1: mm-hmm. like the Acadia, okay. You know, you may prefer the the setup of it, but it isn't as good an all around package as the Telluride and the Palisade. You need to go drive those. I'm not sure of your budget here because you you've kind of listed these two categories, Brad. But those are my to drive homework. And the crazy thing is, look for all of the I wish we weren't all in SUVs. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is, if you're Brad shopping SUVs. You've got choice. You've got
0: a lot. Yeah, for Great sure. Great
1: choice. For sure.
0: I like that you've covered a lot.
1: All right, Brad, you've got some drive homework to do. Let us know what you land on. When we're searching for cars for this show or for our own crazy obsession, our searches always start with AutoTempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter all your parameters in AutoTempest one time and search them all at once. With AutoTempest, you can enter your search
0: one time and see results from Cars.com, True Car, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, AutoTrader, or CarGurus without entering anything new. They just added a
1: link to Facebook Marketplace, too. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. So if you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease as we always are, head to AutoTempest.com. All the cars, one search. Jump into social
0: media questions now. Got a ton. This yeah. is great. Yeah. I want to jump in and start on Instagram from B Warren two two eight. Okay, who asks who is Toyota mm. and what defines
1: them? That's ooh. How is this a topic Tuesday?
0: It could be.
1: It's it's <laughs> it's long, but it's not long enough to be a topic Tuesday. Okay.
0: Although I I thought, should we do history of each car company for Topic Tuesday? Maybe. If That interests (laughs) you, let me know. Whoa. Okay. He says the RS is made by Mazda, the 86 is made by Subaru, Fuji Heavy Industries, and the Super is made by BMW. Mm -hmm. Technically, yes. I mean, BMW is the, you know, they're both made by Magna Steyr in Austria, so it's not really BMW, but I get your point. He says the Tundra, Sequoia, and Forerunner are very outdated. They're changing. They're, you know, they're putting more tech into them and- changing a few things, but is the only new tech claim to fame the Prius. Well, also don't forget the new United Motor Manufacturing plant, mm. which was the old Tesla plant in Fremont, California. They they produced geos in collaboration with GM. Oof. Don't forget about that collaboration. <laughs> I did some digging here and I'm fascinated. I recommend going to two sites. And first of all is the Toyota global site. So that's Toyota dash global.com and then you've got to go to toyota-industries.com to get a better scope of Toyota because mm, as mm. car enthusiasts we just have this limited view of Toyota's cars that's it. Yeah.
1: Well, they
0: make cars, but they make material handling equipment and their foundation is in textile machinery, mm. looms, steam-powered looms from back in the day. But what's more is I think it's all about innovation. Because I found Matthew E. May's book from 2006 called The Elegant Solution, and he says Toyota's formula for mastering innovation, how they create 2,500 innovations per day. Hmm. I wow. can't quantify that. I don't know if that has continued. I don't, know, I don't know anything about that. But that's what his research showed. So in my opinion, Toyota is inventions and technical development and diversification. Mm. Because think of this, there's a website called Toyota Mothers of Invention, toyotamoi.com, where they're celebrating women who are driving positive change, they say, through the world in innovation, entrepreneurship, invention, which is pretty cool. But there's also this Toyota Business Objectives, which is research and creation manufacturing, but it includes all the cars, the industrial vehicles, ships, aircraft, space machinery, The leasing, sale, manufacturing, repair of industrial machinery, electrical machinery, measuring machinery, the sale of ceramics and synthetic resins, construction materials and equipment, everything that has to do with real estate, sale, purchase, leasing, brokerage, and management, construction works, civil engineering works, land (laughs) development, urban (laughs) development, and regional development. I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. Toyota's a bit broad. They do information processing, information communications, software product sales systems, marine transportation, advertising. They they have credit card operations, securities, investment consulting, financial services, medicine, insurance, biotechnology, <laughs> mineral oil, engineering <laughs> that has all culminated in a recent announcement called the Woven City.
1: Okay. I'm following.
0: What I other think. car company has proposed a city? Hmm. They are actually building, groundbreaking is set to begin in 2021 at the base of Mount Fuji, the Woven City. And this is a 175-acre site at the base of Mount Fuji Mm -hmm. that is a fully connected ecosystem, they say, powered by hydrogen fuel cells, that is a living laboratory to develop autonomy, robotics, personal mobility, smart homes, AI in a real-world environment. Clearly, Toyota is getting whatever they want to get done through diversification and innovation, yeah yeah, and yeah down to cars, it doesn't matter if they want to collaborate with somebody they're getting it done, but ultimately they're bringing us sports cars
1: yeah that's you're right. what I like they're no, just bringing right.
0: sports cars back
1: they are they are okay they're, well, we were talking about this with somebody recently about the fact that Ford, of course, we were talking about the last few years, has had an enthusiast car at every price point. And now is promptly leaving that mm-hmm. world, and it feels like Toyota is kind of leaning into that and going, "Huh, there's a gap there." Heavily, GR starts to appear on yes. a lot of cars and
0: rumors and that kind of thing.
1: As a car, I mean, we speak to this just from a car maker perspective. Back to the original question that because I love the diversification you've defined, I'm astounded. I agree with you. I, you don't think of Toyota as being that broad. No. You know, you think about – I sometimes think about Honda and the Honda Jet and Honda generators and all this kind of stuff. But you don't think about Toyota as being as broad or broader than that.
0: It's astounding.
1: Yeah. So they've got a lot of stuff. But that's a lot of what those really successful companies do is diversify. The, the interesting thing about Toyota from a car perspective is that they are probably the most successful at going, let's sell volume.
0: Mm, sure
1: and then and then sure. they go through ebbs and watch their history they go through ebbs and flows as the volume does really well they will sidestep a little bit and go what's the most look at the cars they've collaborated on What's the most conservative way we can serve an underserved niche yeah and that's what they're doing with their sports cars yeah they're con- they're, they're, they're trying to hit the volume uh, cars out of the park. And make them undeniable and, let's be honest, mostly reliable, which is what makes them undeniable. Look at what they've done with Lexus, et cetera. But then they keep going, hmm, there's a market over here that nobody's selling to. Right? How do we sell to that market with the least risk to us? And they go get partners and they do it.
0: True, true. And all that means is, again… They're bringing sports cars back. That's true. They're bringing performance cars back. That's big. Do I mind that they have a collaboration with BMW? No, I don't care. I'm just happy the Supers back. <laughs> I agree with you.
1: The end. I agree with you. That's very, very good. It's very good. Oh, there's so many good questions. Um, I'm still. Tr- I'm actually still calling them because they're still coming in. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, Yu, This is a controversial one. You see this? Hmm. What do we think about people who drive with both headphones in while driving? I've seen. You know, delivery truck drivers,
0: I've seen all kinds of folks with the headphones in. The
1: the traditional thinking, and the fighting words part of this, is the traditional thinking is you cannot wear headphones, earbuds, while you're driving because it makes you a worse driver.
0: Fair enough. Because you aren't
1: taking in as much of the world. That's the traditional thinking. But I submit the following to you, Jeffrey. I actually wonder if that's no longer relevant, if it's no longer valid. Here's why. Okay? Okay. Let me take the BMW lineup for an example. The BMW lineup at this point, their cars are very quiet. The the yeah. the way how much they've done to and I I'm, I'm, I'm just using them as an example. I'm not I'm not singling them out in any way. I'm just they're a perfect example of what I want to talk about. Okay. Their cars are a very quiet place to be. They do a great job of buffeting all of the outside noises. Mm-hmm, Mhm. So that you don't hear them anyway. Forget if you've got headphones in. You just aren't hearing the tire noise, the car next to you, the rattly exhaust down the block. You're not hearing it anymore. Then on top of that, they pipe in exhaust noise through the speakers to add sound. <laughs> then on top of that, you're playing your podcast, your audiobook, your music, your whatever. The argument that if you have earbuds in, you don't hear what's going on outside I don't think you have any more chance of hearing it if you're just sitting in your normal modern car.
0: I'm with you on that. And unless they're... E- well, I'll say even if they're noise-canceling. The noise-canceling really affects things like jet engines, the it's constant thrum. Constant noise, yes. If it's a, an interruptive sound like a voice, Mm -hmm. somebody talking to you, or a siren. Completely, completely. You can still pick that out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, we'll say most people can still pick that out. If you hear
1: tires screeching, that's not going to be taken out by noise-canceling headphones.
0: For the most part, right. I mean, it's really designed to just cancel that, you know, the industrial generator hum or thrum of something that is really annoying. And that's why they work so well. But then, yeah, you can still hear people's voices even very close to you. What I say is if it makes you drive hands-free, if you're on the phone and you're able to take calls at hands-free, I applaud you. Mm-hmm. If that's mm-hmm. what it takes, if you don't have a Bluetooth system in your car or yeah. something like yeah, that yeah. and you can still be aware of your surroundings, yes, please wear your headphones so you can talk on the phone and not you know, not be distracted and have both hands on the wheel. Please do that. Yeah. But again, most people are able to pick out the noises that are really important, like a siren. Yes. Over everything. They're Agreed. still able to do that which you think they're not paid attention to me, but that might not be true. It's I, just, yeah. you know, you can easily let you know yourself get lulled into that, I, I suppose, but for the most part, I don't think it's a terrible thing.
1: Yeah, I don't think distraction or, or, or disconnection as a driver is happening because you have earbuds in. I don't think that's the case. I'll give you another crazy mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. When I drive the Lotus or I drove the Lancer, I don't hear anything else but the cars. Well, the you're car, also wearing
0: earplugs in the in both because I'm
1: defending my ears. Yeah. Because the truth is, both of those cars create so much noise. I'm not hearing anything else anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's so much noise going on, but uh, in in anything,
1: but- Yeah. And, and even, look, you and I in race driving, little the limited amount of race driving we've done, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're wearing earplugs to yes. defend our ears, yeah. and yet the cars are making an overwhelming amount of racket, but if a car gets anywhere near you, you still hear him. You
0: can still
1: hear. Somebody locks you know, up brakes halfway around the track, you can still hear yeah, that. for sure. For
0: sure, you can still so pick I think, it out.
1: So I think the key things you need to hear are not going to be blocked by earplugs.
0: All right. Steve Malone says he's had the pleasure of owning a Julia Q4 for about a year now. Transmission primarily stays in manual mode ninety percent of the time and used like an actual manual. How long can I expect the transmission to last? I think you can count on it lasting for quite a while because it's that really brilliant ZF eight HP fifty. In the quadrifolio it gets the eight HP seventy five, which is just more robust. <laughs> okay. The point is it's an automatic transmission kind of doesn't matter if you drive it like a manual or not. Mm -hmm. It's just accepting your inputs. And that transmission is already very crisp already. It's acting almost like a dual clutch. It shifts so well. So I say, you're not really going to have a problem. I say, keep driving it a manual. I think it's going to work great. That thing
1: is pretty robust. Uh, Forrest Jenkins asked a question I can't entirely answer, but I want to riff on it for a second on Instagram. He says, who's the worst driver in automotive journalism? And then he says, Are you like, going to name names? Who's had the, the most wrecks? He wants, he, wants he wants names. He wants Forrest, names. Forrest, I'm not going to give you names. Plus, <laughs> plus, the truth is, I don't know the list. But I'm going to give you two stories that I have heard about. Actually, no, now that I'm thinking about it, three stories that I've heard about quite famously in automotive journalism circles This that proves that this stuff happens. And please don't get me wrong. Very talented journalists have wrecked cars. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, it can take, happen to anybody. Take your name of very talented journalists and many of them have a story of wrecking a car. So it's it's not there are bad. There are very go to a track day where car journalists are invited and you will be jaw dropped if you have that opportunity because mm-hmm. you'll be amazed at like these people all drive for a living because some of them will do well and some of them will drive worse than some of the worst drivers you've seen. So I'm not gonna go into names, but three stories real quick. There was a guy that had an M3 when the E90 M3 was out, E92 M3 was out. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. V8. There was a guy that had one on Angeles Crest Highway and called from the roadside BMW after it went over the edge. Oh, forgot about this. He you, you remember the story now, yeah, though, right? Yeah, I forgot about this. He he lost it over the edge of Angeles Crest. He got out of the car before it went all all wrong. Mm. Uh, or on the edge, and it rolled down, or something. But the point was, the car was done, and <laughs> all BMW was able to say is, "Are you okay?" And He was like, yeah. "Yeah, I'm fine." And then they asked for the mile marker to tow their car out of the ravine. Yeesh. There's one. Yeesh. A guy that was actually fairly well known in the Los Angeles area. Mm. He got a Aston Martin. It's going to say one is this of the Aston one. story. <laughs> he got a one of one Aston yeah. Martin show car. Yeah, they delivered it. It was a rainy day in Los Angeles. He got to the bottom of his driveway, spun it, and totaled it. Mm. This is within an hour of them delivering, like minutes of them delivering it. Flatbedding it off of the flight. They flatbedded it It was a one of one. Yeah. He called Aston Martin and said send the truck back. The truck had I mean the truck Oof. had kind of just left. Yeah. Send oh. it back. I got it to the end of my driveway. I spun it into the into the hedge and it, it, it was wrecked. And the third one. When the 50, 50th year of the 9-11 happened, they mm. made a 9 50. Oh, yeah. Oh, this one. A 50th oh, year yeah. anniversary of 9-11. You don't see them very often, okay? They're very cool. They've got unique interiors and this kind of stuff. A, uh, a very big magazine had one for a few weeks. Mm. You saw it. Tell the condition I, of well, this car. I actually
0: saw the car at the back of a dealership lot. It was a Porsche mm-hmm. dealership. Yep, and, of yep, course, yep. being me, I was, you know.
1: What's that over there? Ride my bicycle
0: yeah. through the back of the lot, <laughs> yeah. just cruising
1: for deals. Tell me or something, just, guys.
0: You know. And I spotted this 50th anniversary in that cream color.
1: Yeah, yeah. They only made it in two colors. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, I thought, well, why is this sitting back here kind of lonely? And, okay, looks perfect. Nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting service done on my first came in, and I asked the the uh, service advisor. I said, "So tell me about that car. I mean, it seems like you know, it's slightly used or something. Yeah, is, yeah. is it? You know, what's going on?" He's like, "Oh, oh man, this particular magazine drove it and returned it to Porsche with about forty thousand dollars worth of damage." I said, "What? It looks fine." He said, "No, no, no. I think they ran over a boulder." with this car at speed at speed because there's a gash on the underbelly from the front bumper all the way to the back that tore the oil pan right open it's like you know like a a foot round foot diameter boulder that just tore a gash from front to back and the car's just sitting with $40,000 worth of repair work needed, and, and they didn't know what they were going to do Nobody with it.
1: wants to touch it. It doesn't make sense for Porsche to fix it. No. It doesn't make sense for them to fix it and resell it. And the magazine is big enough that they can't do anything but just be like, let us know we need another Porsche. Yeah. There's yeah. three stories. Like, Not the, people, the underbelly but underbelly was kind of torn. Like can opener. Yeah. yeah. Down
0: the middle. Th- yeah. That's Ugh. structural and engine
1: damage. So... Mm, it three. can happen
0: to anybody, but you know, three fun we, we stories really our for our it can to, uh,
1: legitimately happen to anyone. To that. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, Gary the cycling nerd says, Do you think the mid engine Corvette could influence other makers to make an affordable mid engine car, mm. like the MR2 coming back and killing the eighty six? Who knows if it'll kill the eighty six? We don't mm. know yet. Mm. I love the idea of the mr two coming back. I think with the way Toyota's doing things, it could. But then he says, Could the Mustang ever go mid engine? well it's going well, electric <laughs> if uh the mustang maki electric that isn't a mustang mm-hmm. is any indication then all bets are off You're so right. i say yes you right. could. that's funny that's horrifying to think about because that's not the mustang recipe but mm-hmm. if we're not going to do the mustang recipe and just call everything a mustang <laughs> just why not a med- mid-engine
1: car while we're sure. here let's do this that is funny i do like that uh Combat Conductor says, uh, what's the most unpractical everyday car a single person could own? I like that you're taking this question. I thought of two. Okay. I'm talking about you buy this car, you're going to drive it daily. Okay. A Caterham. Good. Or the Morgan three-wheeler. That's good. I think one of those two is the most unpractical daily car possible. And I really do think the more I ponder it, the more I think the three-wheeler wins. That's pretty unpractical. I mean,
0: as an outlier, I'll say BAC Mono. Yeah. As a far, that's a really expensive outlier, but still, you know, that's pretty unpractical. I can't
1: imagine an owner, though. Actually, I think the people that buy those are just buying as fun track day weapons, Mm -hmm. whereas the Caterhams have been driven, and the Morgan three-wheeler is not a track day weapon. It's just not. So it's not
0: really a weapon of any exactly. sort, but that's the
1: thing. It's not a car that you're buying to drive on the track. What it means you have to drive it on the road. And now it's like, what am I doing in this thing? Mm-hmm.
0: It's a couple of questions from Camtxny with Honda's announcement to bring back hard to find S 2000 parts, which is cool. Which automaker or car should they, should the original manufacturer start remanufacturing parts for? Well, it's gotta be stuff that, is not super niche but still beloved where there's still a following as a matter of fact toyota did announce they're making parts for the a70 and a80 supers again Mm -hmm. but those are not really high volume cars and they weren't super loved until fast and furious came out especially (laughs) the a80 nobody cared and that's why they stopped making it Mm -hmm. and then everybody suddenly discovered and they went Why didn't you
1: love it when it was in production? (laughs) We used to sell these. We we
0: used to make them like a year ago, and then we stopped. and now you like it? Yeah, fair, fair, fair. What's going on? He also says, which automaker should stop making parts for an existing car to ensure it vanishes from the road? Unfortunately, there's so much part sharing that you can't just like, you know... (laughs) <laughs> Throw the baby Can out we, with the bathwater. Lack I mean? of
1: availability. This car to death, please. That's I mean, funny. I like that. We a lot. killed
0: this other popular model with parts, but man, we really made sure this terrible one died. That's very funny. No, we couldn't do that. But I, I think it's got to be like a Mazda RX-7, or you know, like an FD RX-7, or something that is really beloved by the sports car community. I love the S2000 because if they're remake, break, excuse me, remaking parts for the S2000. Does that mean they won't ever give us a new S2000? That again? is the
1: interesting thought about that. I agree. It That's starts to suggest. Not the
0: greatest thought. Yeah.
1: Actually. It starts to suggest, well, we'll just keep helping them with that one because there's nothing like that coming, which is a little bit too bad.
0: Thing is, CamTX, most of the German fa- manufacturers have restoration and classic shops you're right, now. You're right. Yeah. Mercedes Classic is a huge business for them. They're remanufacturing and remaking all the old stuff. I know Porsche does, BMW yeah, does. Yeah, time a lot of car manufacturers are doing this and it applies to everything. So I Mm -hmm, think that's mm going to be increasing just across the board. I mean, how about Mustangs? How about just awesome older Mustangs and, you know, Ford's doing that again. Great. But you know, they're already kind of supported by, all of SEMA. No, so. I was going to
1: say, when you go to SEMA, you realize you could build yourself a brand new 1965 Mustang good. without ever buying a part from a 1965 Mustang or leaving the building. Yes, you, both <laughs> both are true. You could just walk yeah. if you could walk around with a virtual shopping cart. You could mm-hmm. walk in one door at SEMA with no 65 Mustang and leave by the time you reach the parking lot with a 65 Mustang. Easy. Craziness.
0: Somebody needs to do that. And that's a new build show right there. That would be uh, honestly a new build show. That
1: is the build show I would do for the laugh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I am at SEMA,
1: and by the time I leave the convention center, I will have built myself a brand new classic car. That's a TV show right there. Call us. We'll do that for you. Anyway, Raiden's Garage (laughs) on Instagram says "Uh, Todd, so hang on. He said he and his wife were recently at a car show. And there was a Lotus Elise. Mm -hmm. And he pointed out casually to his wife, that's a Lotus Elise. That's what Todd from Everyday Driver drives. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. she looked at him and she said, was Todd born in the wrong body? (laughs) So the question—it's a fair question. The question is: Do I ever wish I was a smaller person, since I like these really small cars? You know, it's funny you say this because I actually look—I'm over six feet tall. I like that. All right, I also have—I didn't discover this till we were doing the show—that apparently have a freakishly long torso. It's amazing. Which which compounds all of the We're the same height, and there's a,
0: a visible difference on camera.
1: Yes. Well, it's astounding. A, you noted that when we were driving the cars this this week. There's yeah. a visible difference in how I place the rearview mirror. Uh huh. When I have the rearview mirror, you get in and you're like, who tall was in the – oh. Uh,
0: but, but we get out and we're, we're the same height. Exactly. It's, it's very amazing. Fun.
1: So here's the thing. I, I actually like being a tall guy. But when I think – when I kind of reflect on a little bit, I realize I, I'm not in a career where it helps me. And I don't really have any major parts of my life where because I'm as tall as I am, thank God – <laughs> so the truth is, honestly, I think 5'11 might be like the sweet spot for the for my makeup because I would get into more things. Yeah, you could. I would get into more things, but I'd still be a fairly tall guy. There's like Zach Clapman. I'm going to call him out from Smoking Tire. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like 5'9". He is like the, the metric by which all cars were built. He fits in everything. It's for just sure. like for you'd sure. hand him key our keys to a car. He fits perfectly and yeah. that's, that's pretty funny. So, So I guess there are moments when it helps. I don't mind being tall. I'm very curious to see how tall my son will be. Right now, of course, he's, you know, uh, almost five feet. So he fits in everything, he's which grown. is very funny, but it'll be fascinating to see how big he gets.
0: Kid is grown. All right. A couple more questions before we wrap things up. First of all, a design question from Nick Lane asking the, f- our favorite modern car designer. I'll say Sasha Salipanov who designed the Bugatti Chiron, then went to Genesis, mm. but now has joined Koenigsegg. There's a classmate of mine, Ian Cartabiano of Toyota. He has gone to Toyota of Europe and he's doing some incredible things there. He designed the Camry and a whole bunch of other stuff uh, for Toyota. Frank Stevenson is real, a real standout for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ferrari, Maserati, Mini, he's doing his own thing, as well as uh, Ken Okuyama, huge fan of Ken's work. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff coming out, but those are the designers that really stand out to me. And then finally, a question both you and I can answer from Kevin right. G. Rocha asking about Track stuff. He said, he says, first okay. time on track and spec me out with an instructor. He didn't have as much fun as he thought, but regardless, it was fun and informative. Any thoughts of how to enjoy the track with the instructor at your side at all times? I know it's tough because you're trying to please and impress the instructor and mm-hmm. do what they say and kind of do it right. Whatever they're asking you to yeah, do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is not fun. You want to go try stuff. Yeah. And I understand that having the instructor with you at all times, teachers in the car, isn't going to be fun. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. watching you. It's not until the instructor leaves and says, all right, it's time for you to solo that you can start to play with stuff and discover yeah. your own yeah, yeah. driving style. Now taking into consideration everything you've learned from them, the breaking points, the track instruction, mm-hmm. the track, the line, the race line itself. But when you start to really feel and you start, aha, I can go in and I'm using their instruction I'm coming in faster than I thought and the car is still planted, but I'm taking my own line that really works for me. That's when it really starts to get fun.
1: Maybe the instructor has to leave at some point. I, th- well, I, think, the, I think what's interesting is it might be have instructor for a bit and then if you're going to have more instructor time, can you get a gap before you get the instructor back? Mm. Because mm-hmm. what I find, and this is a great question, what I find is that uh, we, we had this when we were at Picattle this season. Okay, okay, okay. Those guys were really helpful and Absolutely. they were very very good. Absolutely. But what I also found is the only struggle point that I had is at some point I wanted to, they had they had given us so much information and this is probably the situation here. Yeah. I wanted to just take that information and work on all of those points before I heard any more. Right? Yes. And you may have to have that gap where do you, and I don't know what situation you're in but maybe you can have an opportunity where you can spend a few laps and just work on what the instructor has mentioned. And then get them back in mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now go refine me further. The other thing that might be helpful is see if you have an instructor in a car, see if you can get them to focus on a few corners instead of every corner. Mm-hmm. Because if they've got, if you've got sure. two or three corners on a track that are key corners that teach major things, then maybe you guys can, I mean, you're going to keep driving loops either way. You're going to keep sure. going lap, 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 lap. But let's say out of 10 corners, you're going to work on four of them. Now between okay. those corners, you guys are talking about, all right, for next corner, do this. Or you know, when you come around to corner two next time, be sure you're thinking about this. You're set up for because, the next Because there's corner. always refinement to do. Sure. Of but course. if you're trying to to cover every corner on the track with the instructor doing stuff, you're losing things out of the side of your head all the time because you're trying to think about this, but hang on, I forgot about the fact that in corner nine I need to Oh my gosh. So maybe mm-hmm. see if you can can four wall them to some degree to the corners that you tell them, what are the, what are my weakest corners? Mm -hmm. Oh, and they're going to go, Oh, it's, it's two and six and nine. Great. Can we work on, talk to me just about two and six and nine.
0: Yeah. Kevin, what we're alluding to is something called Mm racecraft. It's once you know the line and you know, your entry speed, you know, your exit speed, you know what gear you need to be in Mm -hmm. all those things. Now the craft is starting into feeling the limits, the edges of the car and what your comfort level is. And, Really starting to explore that and then knowing the little nuances for each corner. So start to work on that. Start to focus on that kind of thing rather than just we're f- at fundamentals every time I go around the circuit. Hopefully not. We're yeah. still at fundamentals. We got to get past that. And then when you start to explore what you like, and okay, the race line's there, but I like coming in here because it spits me out there. And I, that's what I like. I get more enjoyment out of that corner. That's when it starts to get good. Interesting.
1: Jose Pablo's got a last question for me. He says, This is an interesting garage question. He said, I own a Nissan pickup. <laughs> I own an Audi SUV. <laughs> so think about this. A Japanese pickup truck. Yeah. A German SUV. Okay. He wants to check the last box. What non German or non Japanese country or region should I look for in searching for my fun rear wheel drive two door? To complete the perfect three-car garage. You need, now, Jose, I don't know what kind of driver you are. Okay, I don't sure, know what fair. kind of proclivities yeah. you have, so I'm going to give you two possible answers. Okay. You either need a full-on American muscle car. Yeah, that's where my Or went. a British tiny roadster. I like that. I like that, too. One of the two completes that picture. I, depending on who you are, you're going to go, oh, that's for me right away.
0: Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. As always, it's you making the podcast. We're having a lot of fun and uh, really appreciate it. Again, please send us your debate and social media questions get posted up usually on Mondays and Thursdays for release podcast release on Tuesdays and Fridays. Lots more content coming at you. And be sure to check out the Fast Blast of the X5M when it comes out here. We're moving. Thanks, guys. Cheers.